Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing Editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis. And our special guest this week, Beaver's Edge Danboard Premium subscriber Callie Beave, joining us from what looks like a very sunny location. How you doing there, Callie? Good to see you. And I'm jealous of that short sleeve tee, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been about 95 this week, so we've gotten the October heat wave now. It's like Ooh. October is one of the hottest months of the year now. That's brutal. What are you guys at, at, Brendan? Um, We're starting to get pretty cold up here now. We're getting into like the 60s during the day and getting down to about 40 40 at night, though. 40 or colder at night, and that's where it's getting to be. You know, when I warm my car up in the morning, as you know, I'm a I'm a morning person. My my uh, uh, I get up really early, and uh, it's, it's a little cold in the morning, but that's fall football, baby. That's yeah. exactly uh, what just you know reminds you of everything. And it when I see the leaves change and the colors change, everything up here, it just kind of reminds me that Beaver football is right around the corner. And now yeah. it's not even right around the corner because it's here, and yeah. they're working towards it right now. We are. One whole week into fall camp, first scrimmage uh, coming up tomorrow, as, or coming up tomorrow as we're recording this uh, on a Friday. That first scrimmage will be Saturday. We'll be looking to speak to the coaching staff and players this next week to get their reaction. But I'm just kind of uh, curious from you, Callie, uh, from what we've had this week, what most excites you about uh, what you've seen uh, in the restart from the Beads? Yeah, I'm honestly really pumped about what I'm hearing with the secondary, obviously. I think um, – I feel like that's going to be really one of the strongest areas for us this year, other than linebacker, which I think, you know, speaks for itself. Um, yeah. I think just the competition with the JC guys and all those guys, like, I don't know if you guys watched last chance you at all, but like uh, Ray, Wright, Like <laughs> that swag that he brings, I think is something oh, yeah. that, that like, um, you know, I think coach blue was talking about with, with Jay and Grant, like that you need. And like, he has that in abundance. So I feel like there's ways, you know, um, in a team dynamic where like, even if you're, you're not on the field like that, that contribution and just that swag and com- competitiveness level that gets added in practice and, you know, and all the drills and things like that, like that makes you a lot sharper. And I feel like we, that's like kind of a component that we've been missing for a while, you know, for a really long time, actually on the defense. And I think that that's going to be something that's really evident this year. Um, I also saw the nugget about James Rawls looking pretty good on the line. Um, so I thought that was really good. He's actually, his, his JC is like literally, 10 minutes away from where I'm at now. Um, I'm in Brea. He, he played at Fullerton. So um, I saw him a couple times um, and he was like, I think I posted about it. Like he was really explosive for a big dude. And so um, I thought that was a good, a good nugget to hear that he is making some noise. Cause to me, he has a chance to maybe play inside and then give us a little bit of more juice and athleticism from, from the inside, which I think is what we've been missing, you know? So I'm looking forward to those two things. And then obviously we'll see what shakes out at receiver, like who emerges there. Um, that's going to be an interesting thing. So um, I know Brandon will be keeping us in the loop there. Um, so I'll be looking forward to, <laughs> to, to seeing how that progresses too. And things are a lot of guys like Beeson's really interesting. Um, yep. Obviously everyone's looking for Tyjon Lindsay to hopefully take a leap this year. Um, and then I think we, the one, you know, thing known quantity is really Bradford, right? So uh, right. it's, it's really who emerges as kind of that number one, a or two or three guy after him. I think that's the, that's the big thing we're all looking for, you know? Certainly. And, and, you, and you kind of touched on a couple good points there. And I would have to say I agree with you. I mean, you know, going back, like, the most recent defensive back, right? It's almost like Oregon State's been missing those defensive backs that just have that swagger, right? You can oh, go back to yeah. guys like Jordan Poyer, 
out yeah. off of lava. We see Steve Nelson still balling it up in the still NFL just, with the Steelers right now. And yeah. then it just kind of yeah. stopped right. there for a while. And, and, and you know, that, that. We'd be, we'd be remiss. Like, I, my, my really good boy all during OSU years was Dennis Weathersby. So, like, he. I Certainly. Was, like, super quiet dude, like, in real life. But on the field, like, he. He brought that swag too, so it's like, yeah, you just you need DBs like that, like that's how they, they yeah, have to yeah, and that's kind of how what I'm seeing from Coach Blue, you know, even just in our early conversations this week, you know, we got a chance to talk to two defensive backs and uh, David Morris and Jade Grant, who, you know, both yeah. guys now have played a lot of ball. Those guys yeah. are experienced, they're veterans, and you know, I think now, like just talking to them, they know that they got guys behind them that want to mm-hmm. play, yeah. and looking at guys like Alton Julian. I'm looking at guys like Ray Wright. I'm yep. looking at someone like Ron Hardage III also, you know, has made some moves. And then yep. uh, uh, even Jonathan Riley up at that safety position from last year as well. Yeah, Competition breeds success. And, you know, those guys are determined. I mean, looking exactly. – they're all pretty, like, you know, naturally fun-loving, you know, happy-go-lucky guys. Talking yeah. to them this week, those guys were – they were zeroed in. I mean, it's Locked like in. I in the story that I wrote today, the defense is wanting to play with the chip on his shoulder this year. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. The defense knows they left a lot out there last year, and I think that should excite Beaver fans a lot, just knowing for the fact that like they want to bring that energy, and they know now, and they have the potential and the depth and the talent to actually get it done. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Just That's been the missing ingredient, so I'm, I'm excited for this season, like just to see that kind of that shift happen. Cause I think coach Smith gets it like, right. He was a part of that whole thing. So he realizes like you need that edge. And so I think that's, that's kind of the DNA. It looks like he's trying to instill on that defense, which is going to be fun to watch. Certainly. And Jared, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, obviously uh, you got a story up this week uh, talking about those uh, JC defensive backs and you know, how coach Smith has already, you know, really seen what he's liked and, you know, everyone's been mentioned, but the guy that really seems to get mentioned more than others is uh, Alton Julian. And mm-hmm. I- I'm curious to know about Alton Julian, Jared. What impressed you most about him, or what impressed you most about him on the recruiting trail when the Beavers were picking him up? And how do you think he was able to pick up Tibbs' system so quickly? Yeah, well, I mean, when you have those Juco guys, they're, they're a little more seasoned because, you know, for the last two, you know, depending on how long they've been in, in junior college, for the last mm-hmm. however many years, they've been absolutely busting tail just right. trying to – perfect their craft and really hone in and it at that level that's really what you're doing is just it's strictly for development everybody mm-hmm. goes in there with a goal and that's to make it to the next level so yep. those coaches are just pouring everything into those kids so they certainly have an edge i would say over you know like a, a senior in high school coming into the system just because mm-hmm. they've had that experience they've had a couple of years just to really dive in uh you know to their craft uh yep. so it's not been too surprising. He played really well at CSM, uh, City yep. College of San Mateo. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good program as well. Great coaches over there. So it hasn't been super surprising to see him pick it up. And, I mean, you guys have mentioned, uh, you know, Rayzon Wright and all those guys as well. And it's just, you know, like I said in the story, we kind of, you kind of knew it was coming. And like, uh, like Callie mentioned as well, you know, they kind of have a little bit of that swagger and uh, that attitude that you just – a DB has to have. So it's really cool to see. And, uh, I I mean, obviously, like you said, it kind of – even if they don't see the the time on the field right away, the guys who are ahead of them have to play with that chip knowing that if they do something wrong, there's a willing, ready, and able guy right behind them ready to go. So it's cool to see. 
And maybe for the first time in a couple of years, I mean, Cal, even maybe more than that. I mean, you know, Jared, you've only been around for, you know, a couple of years now, but Kelly, I mean, just going back, like, when was the last time that you can remember that the Beavers had this much secondary depth where the guy behind the starter might be able to at least, you know, hold his own compared to, yeah. dare I say, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, right. where you take yeah. the starter out of there or someone like, Isaiah Dunn is hurt. I mean, up until this last year, he struggled with injury. And when he left the field, that secondary was putting, you know, uh, Sean Wilson at corner, who, you know, was yeah, more suited safety. to a nickel than, than a corner. Yeah. Or yeah. And, safety, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's just, you know, it wasn't going to get the job done. I think I can go back to a certain moment and a certain game. And I think back to the first Jonathan Smith's first year when the Beavers played Stanford. And Kobe Parkinson, tight end, yeah. who now is in the NFL, just went wild. And Oregon yeah, he, State had no one in the secondary that could cover him. And yeah. all I can remember Tim Tibisar saying in the practice after, or the you know availabilities afterwards, was mm-hmm. we need to get bigger and taller at corner. <laughs> and what have they done the last oh, two man. years? Yeah. They've crushed it in that recruiting game. And like you said, Jared, that instant experience right away. Guys, that sure, there may be a learning curve to learning the system, the speed of – you know, power five compared to JC. Right. But compared to school, that, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. no doubt about it. And I, I mean, just kind of adding to your point a little bit, there's just so much size now. And they're really, you can tell there's a prototype, and not only at the, at the defensive back position, but across the board. Uh, I mean, the two, you know, I, I talk about it all the time. You know, they added three offensive linemen in the 2020 class. Well, four if you consider uh, Sorensen from uh, yep. Portland State, and they're all just they're all just big. You know, they're yeah. big guys, and that's the prototype that they're looking for. And it's I mean, it's what you need at this point in college football to you know to to win. And they're yeah. they're confident in their in their coaching and development abilities. So if you can go out there and find a guy with the with the ideal size, maybe a little bit raw, but knowing that you'll have a little bit of time to coach them up and get them ready. I mean, that's that's yeah. why you're seeing these players turn into such great players because they have the things that you can't coach. And right. then they come in and they're coached up to be able to use those intangibles to their best yeah. ability. Yeah. And I, I think what I love and, and, and Brendan knows this, like I'm I'm definitely more of the critical type of fan and I'm that way with everything. Lakers just won a championship. I was like if you would have talked to me a week ago, you know, you would have thought we had been already been bounced out of the playoffs, right? But like I that's that's just how I am, you know. I, I look at things critically, except for with my kids, they get a pass. But you know what I mean, like. So for me, I think what it is and what I'm seeing that I really, really like is you. You can very well, you can tell that there's a plan in place, just in the recruiting oh. philosophy. Like every every recruit, every position, D line still, I got some concerns. Everywhere else, you can see yeah. how clearly thought out and defined plan. They're going for a, a certain type of athlete, certain like physical makeup, right? Physical traits, and then the intangibles that, that we've been talking about are clearly yeah. being recruited. The DBs, like, feisty, tough, you know, got that swag. Like, they're going to have that, hey, you're not going to beat me. And even if you do, like, you're not going to break my spirit if you do beat me. I'm coming right back at you. Right. Like, that's the type of kid that they're recruiting. So that's what I like seeing. And that's what I wasn't seeing with the previous regime is it was like everything was across the board. Like, this kid is completely different than this kid. They were just essentially taking whoever they could get in a lot of ways because they you know, they weren't able to necessarily hit on their, their primary target. So maybe they had a plan in place, but they weren't able to fulfill on that. Now I think you see the whole board is filled, filled with kids that kind of fit the mold. 
And so even when right. they're getting option A, like option B, like you, you see him, you're like, okay, he's cool. Like he still fits the mold of what they want. So there's a there's clearly a plan in place that's being executed, you know, so far, I think um, really well. And so that's what I like about, you know, the Coach Smith era so far. I think that's really well described, Kelly. I mean, just uh, as, as far as, you know, breaking it down. But I'm curious, one thing that you said and mentioned there, the defensive line. And I'd be, yeah. and I'd be inclined to agree with you a little bit. And Jared, I, I kind of want to cue you in here. Outside yeah. of Amarian, who's coming in this next class, who's been that marquee defensive lineman that Jonathan Smith has landed? And Coach Leahy, obviously. You know, wow. I could throw Jordan Whitley in there. Right yeah. when he came over, he was a you know, and maybe uh, also want to throw in you know Tavis Shippen this last recruiting class as he was a very nice piece. But we haven't yeah. seen him. I'm talking before you know instantly right now, and maybe that's where they needed simply to prove themselves as a coaching staff. Maybe that was the you know every every coaching staff you know they're not flawless at every single recruiting position. Maybe Oregon State's was defensive line was the one they were going to have to work a little bit harder to get those kids to Corvallis or take the creative way they tried to I'm, I'm absolutely going to draw a blank on his name Jared I need your help um the Auburn defense, Charles Charles Moore oh Charles Moore yeah didn't yeah. work out obviously at Oregon State but a swing for the fences though right and what did I text you what did I text you when they landed him this kid told me that day he goes I don't think it's going to last oh really and yeah those, I, like, I, toxic, those toxic relationships like where you see your buddy and his yeah. girl like just smashing glasses in each other's face and you're like yeah this is like two weeks max right he's a great <laughs> i mean he's a super he's a super talent but i mean the reason that it didn't work out at auburn and then you know he comes and i, I, I he wasn't there for maybe half a year yeah. uh you, you probably can can see why without me you know yeah verbal some, yeah uh, yeah some guys are just a little different yeah <laughs> right maybe it would be well, better suited for take that juco route because they get really disciplined out there mm-hmm. um i mean you never know but i mean to just add into y'all's point there has been you know some i guess questions about the defensive line recruiting and yeah. uh i mean it's hard to say i think i think if you're going it's early. to i, I think yeah that's that was what i was getting at it's still early and i think this year is where you where you really will kind of start looking and hoping mm-hmm. to see some element at that position uh yeah. from some guys that they've been able to land and I mean they've talked well about Lolo Hayo so far uh so you know you have to hope that that one will play out whether even if it's not this year which it probably won't be but if it's in you know year two right. or one if he is to redshirt which everybody will be able to um yeah. and, you know at, at that point you know you're looking pretty good and, and O'Marion he's got a good build uh obviously nice. a great off great offer sheet and some some high praise from some people you know around the around the scene so that's a yep. good land there, really good land there. And you just kind of – I mean, they could have gone for more guys. Uh, but as we all know, and as we've said a million times, this class just doesn't allow it. No. Um, we may see moving forward, you know, maybe next year, 2022, that will be a position that they really try to hone in on. It'll be interesting. In case you're just joining us here on the Edge podcast, managing editor Brendan Slaughter joined by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis and our special guest this week, uh, damn board subscriber Callie Beeve joining us again from a very sunny location. I continue to be jealous as I look at his picture throughout <laughs> yeah. the recording of this podcast. Uh, Callie, just before we kind of move into our next thing, uh, you know, what are you kind of most looking forward? You've read the practice reports this week, kind of read all that stuff. 
What, do, yeah. what as the fan that you are, what are you kind of most curious to see that comes out of the scrimmage? Is it maybe narrowing down that quarterback focus? You know, Jonathan Smith said earlier this week, everybody from Tristan Jebbia to Nick Moore is taking reps. Is it seeing the receivers kind of get together? Is it hearing the lines are doing better? Yep. What are you looking forward to hearing, even though, unfortunately, we can't be there in person? Yeah, yeah. It's, for me, it's really two, two main areas. Um, we touched on the D-line. I think just seeing who um, – I mean, like you said, like you guys won't be there. So just hearing the recaps and, and seeing like who performed well there. Um, one of the kids I was really kind of hopeful for as a SoCal kid from modern day was Evan Bennett. Um, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll, you kind of don't hear his name um, mentioned like right off the bat. So that, it'd be good to hear him take a jump because he's obviously got some of the size we need inside. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, just hearing how that D line's doing, not hopefully not getting pushed around because I feel like that right now is really the kind of the weakest link on D. So if they can just hold their own and find someone to, to create a push and, um, you know, free up those backers, then our D is going to be really, really solid. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I think you touched on it and we talked about it a little bit. It's really who emerges at receiver, you know, at wideout. I think there's a lot of guys who we would describe as talented but unproven. And so right. who who's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, positioning themselves to to step up into that, into that limelight, you know. Um, Lindsey, I think, is a guy, this is a big kind of, you know, put-up year for him. Um, right. And then Irish is a kid who I, I thought his film was just like ridiculous. Um, so seeing seeing like where he takes it uh, and then, you you know, I, I know um, I think, Brendan, you touched on it. Like Beeson's been, been drawing rave reviews already. So and he seems like he's pretty much ready made from a size perspective. So um, how quick can he adjust and make a, you know, and take a jump? And then and then there's Champ, who I feel like everybody kind of always <laughs> overlooks. But get uh, that, that Get kid's got heart. Exactly. Yeah, his heart's immeasurable. Right. So like what? you know, what's, what's he look like this year. So I think those are the kind of the two big things I'm looking to see. Right. And a couple things just off what you mentioned, I'm curious to see how much there's a receiving core. I'm not going to say it would change completely, but it would have a different shake on it. If mm-hmm. Treshawn Harrison is declared eligible this year. Right. And right. Smith said it again today. I couldn't, you know, he was like, Smith is like a sphinx, right? You just can't read him when he's yeah, talking yeah. about, you know, some of those finer details and, you know, Put it just to put my opinion out there in yeah. this year and this climate. In my opinion, there should be no reason the NCA is telling anybody Agreed. anything Agreed. as far as what they can or can't do. Yeah, um, like, but again, yep. Yep. Uh, people with uh, you know much much uh, bigger decision power to make than than I. But I'm just as I see that uh, his status at receiver could be interesting, and then just yeah. for further depth at running back, Trey Low, Trey Low. obviously mm-hmm. as well. Um, right. Both those guys, we only got to watch, you know, three spring practices, but I was able to identify both of those guys in the first couple of days because, you know, they were so impactful right out the gate. And, you know, oh, I nice. think back to those guys, you know, Rawls is one of them. I, you know, going back through my notes back to spring and yeah. those same guys that were making strides in those three days are the mm-hmm. guys that coaches are still talking about now. So, you know, even Zariah and Ben yeah. Gilbert. We're going off in those first couple of days. I remember. And, I remember reading that. Yeah. Yeah, and then here we have today. Jonathan saying, if he keeps playing the way he's going to play, Zariah is going to be a big part of our offense this year. Wow, and he, that's he, awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, that that's a good thing to hear. And you know, Jonathan today is you know continues to say that it's not just his, you know, on the field skills, but ability to pick up the playbook and knowledge okay. and be kind of a one of the few guys with size and. I yeah. think that's going to be beneficial that the Beavers just have so many different weapons, whether it's on defense at linebacker, whether it's receiver. Um, yeah. There are schools. I said both lines are still a little bit of a concern to me. 
But for yeah. the most part, the skill positions on both sides of the ball, um, this is as confident as I've felt covering an Oregon State team and their ability to have success um, and maybe ever. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, I've, I've been on the beat since 2014, and I, I think yeah. that's an assumption. 2013 was a good year, but after that, it's been tough sledding. <laughs> Zariah is one of those kids where you could just like – you almost could just tell it was coming, especially when you saw that he was early enrolling. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I was going to say the fact that – I was going to say when he – that's, that's always a good sign, the way they were rolling, right? So, I think that's always like – if he, he was going to be able to make, hopefully, you know, the two deep there, like that's that's showing you something about a kid too. Sure. So. Especially at receiver, a receiver sure. at LSU, like, you know <laughs> – no doubt. Um, does the uh, here? Here's a crazy conspiracy. Was Zariah just motivated coming in as a three star instead of a four star, Jared? Well, hey, if it was up to me, he would have been. A, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe so. You know, maybe he felt like he had something to prove. You look at his offer sheet, and you're like, that alone oh, could warrant it. Right. Yeah. And, and again, I feel like his recruitment was kind of quiet. He went to a school tucked up in the Pacific Northwest. I think he could have been a he four. That's just, right, and that's where I'm like, you know, this guy was a guy that from the moment that he got in touch with Brandon Cooks, right? Oh, yeah. and, Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Cooks was like, go break all my records. Yeah. When I Certainly. saw those two getting in touch, I go, the one thing that – always stuck out to me about Brandon Cooks is from when that kid got there as a freshman. He business. said, exactly, right. all business yep. all the time. And that's yeah. why, you know, the guy's still, you know, I think top 10 paid receiver in the league this year. Uh, yep. You know, he was business from the day he got there. And yeah. if indications are, you know, striking from practice on Beeson, exactly yeah. the same. There and you go. I mean, Cook's your fans got to be excited right? for that. Yeah, Cookie's probably still in his ear, like, here's what go in, hit it hard, you know, like, oh, yeah. day one, you know, so that's probably, that's a good, that's a good call, Brendan, like, you're probably seeing a lot of that manifest from, from that, that conversation, assuming they still have a relationship, you know? Yeah. Certain, certainly, yeah. and I think, and I think they do, you know, just yeah. as far as, you know, him, him wanting to go over there, I think it was not just the, because, you know, obviously Cook's from California, Zariah from Texas, yeah. I'm not exactly sure how they got linked up, uh, you know, I have to yeah. go back and be able to look into it a little bit, but. For the most part, I mean, you know, they've had some exchanges. I'm sure they're close. And I've said this to Jared in past podcasts, you know, the more that Brandon Cooks and Jordan Poyer even now, more yeah. than those guys can continue to have exposure in the league and get more guys. I mean, seeing all, you know, the more that can break through, that just helps you in living rooms. I mean, sure. when you, can, you know, and now even Hodgins, you know, when you yep. can go into a, a living room and say, hey, we, you know, we're just building the program, right? We didn't even make a bowl game. And this guy yeah. went to the league, yeah. right? That's things that kids want to hear about, you know, in those living rooms. And, and Jared, I'm kind of just curious to get your perspective just on, on you know, Zariah, you know, really honing in to a pro beef, having a pro beef kind of channel him this way a little bit mm -hmm. and see a lot of that same potential and really grow, grow that, you know, recruit, you know, maybe, you know, ex you know nfl player connection i think that's a really unique thing for the program yeah no you need it and uh you'll see you see a lot of coaching staffs like have to kind of dig for that you know they have to get in touch with the players so it kind of speaks to the culture a little bit of course that was a different staff when, when cooks was in there uh mm -hmm. but even even better you know that he's embracing and, and you know advocating for this staff without even having played for them or anything like that it just yep. goes to show that even from the outside perspective looking in, he knows that 
that there's you know good things going on. And it helped. The love there is. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Oh no, I had a really good story. Uh, so you know, Cooks was on the Rams the past what two years, yeah. um, and so their their training camps down here in Irvine. So I'm a big Rams fan. Um, obviously a big Beaver fan. So I take my boys out there. I have two little boys. Um, and so I wear the, I, I wear mom Ram stuff, but I put them in their beaver gear. Right. right. Oh, that's and cool. so, so the camps, you know, they're, they're pretty lax. Like the kids are running around. And so I had my boys kind of up just chilling and B cooks like came over and was like, Oh, stay. And like, you know, got a picture that's, with them and like awesome. said, what's up to them. You know what I mean? So like you, the love that's, is still there. And obviously Mannion and Hecker were, were there. We're on the Rams. Well, Hecker um, still is, but Mannion is not, but Mannion was on the Rams then too. So like, yeah, all the guys came right. over and like said, what's up to my boys and stuff like that. So like the sure. love wow. that, that still, you know, that the guys still have for, you know, for Oregon State and Corvallis is like still, you know, it still carries them. Like, like he, you know, picked us out. We, were, we weren't like right there, you know, and he just saw my boys and mm-hmm. just kind of like ran over to him really quick. So that was, it was really cool. And that's it, like it's, it's, and about living rooms, yeah. and, you know, helping on the recruiting trail. That's, that's a big reason why they landed Jimmy Valson. He, he, he said it to me. You know, I, I saw that they just put Isaiah Hodgins in the league, who's a guy that I would love to be compare myself to. And that's that's kind of, you know, what they sold to him. Like you were right. saying, well, you know, we didn't even win a bowl or we didn't even go to a bowl game, but here we are putting players in the league. Just imagine what we can do when you get here. Mm-hmm. Right. It works. And obviously it works. And uh, they're, they're able to, they've been able to land some, some good guys. I mean, we talk about Beeson's offer list and everything, but Jimmy's was, was pretty dang good too, you know. It's, yeah. I think it was or top eight, whatever it was. Impressive. And there were some Texas schools on there. So mm-hmm. Right. Him all the way up to to, uh, to Oregon. Um, you know, it's good. And I think a lot of those kids, I know in, in Jariah's case as well, it's just the attraction, especially at receiver. Back 12, you know, the ball thrown to you a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of kids say that. So it's uh, there's certainly a lot of things going for them in that regard. And uh, I think you're seeing it pay off for sure because the staff's selling it really well. I think I think it's just exciting for the fact that you know we're starting to see Smith's vision, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Cali, just kind of like the clear blueprint start mm-hmm. to pay off so quickly. I mean, yeah. you know, not to you know you don't want to obviously get ahead of yourself, but you just look back at you know not to not to uh, I don't want to I don't want to put lipstick on a pig. This was <laughs> one of the if I'm going to say top five toughest job in power five when Jonathan Smith came in here. I mean, people make the claim that, you know, Mike Riley left the cupboard bare for Gary Anderson. Well, then Gary Anderson tore, tore the foundation off the cupboard and then there was really nothing there. So, I mean, as far as like what he had to work with, I mean, I think there was my first, you know, that first year of Jonathan, um, I think Oregon state had about three scholarship defensive linemen. So it's still improving from 2018. But again, yeah. a really tough, yet unlike, you know, past coaches and, you know, this goes all the way back throughout Oregon State's history, not just recently, coaches that have like, you know, gotten really hung up in what you can't get to Corvallis or what you can't do in Corvallis, the yeah. successful ones, Erickson, Riley, you know, and again, now Smith is what I believe is there. You use Corvallis to your advantage, right? Exactly. And you just identify yeah. a certain type of player, kid, yeah. and recruit that wants to come there and maybe it's a diamond in the rough but they exist if you can win at washington state you can win at oregon state if you can win you know just about anywhere you know it's it's possible oregon state still has power five resources has a very nice locker room 
right. you know, nice training facility. They have a stadium upgrade on the way and yeah. a coach that's up and coming, you know, and I just think the hype right now is big. And, you know, I, I don't know if it necessarily plays into it, Jared, but, you know, you mentioned any guys that maybe want to come here when the ball, when the ball's being thrown through the air, you know, that's, that's coach Lindgren and, you know, the system that he's built and let us not all forget that Edwards tried his best to poach him this past off season and yeah. pay up. And, yep. uh, you know, Luckily, uh, I think for everybody's sake, they were able to hand out those contract extensions before the athletic department kind of uh, got a little, yeah, got a little sh- the brakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a little shaky in the wake of this year, so I think that's all important. But uh, um, I, I think more than ever, it's just you know to wrap up this point, seeing Smith's vision and you know Jared and I see it all the time with the recruits, you know, hearing from you know our people around the program and those people that are you know uh, connected to the recruiting world. Oregon State's making an imprint. They're making an impression. People are starting to know who they are, you know, even on, uh, you know, a, a national scale. And I say that, you know, not hesitantly anymore with, you know, the fact that they got Jimmy Valson and, um, and, you know, and got Cesariah Beeson. A couple guys had Texas and, you know, they're expanding their reach. Uh, I think the best times are certainly yet ahead. And if I'm a Beaver fan, um, you know, this is as optimistic as I've been in a long time. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably feel – that way, even though, like you said, you always kind of look at things with a real, uh, you know, a critical lens there, Callie. Yeah, I do. And I think that's that's what has me excited. Like, I'm typically always critical. But this 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 season, um, you know, the fact that it got delayed, I think was a bummer. But like this whole this season, I've been like, OK, this is the year where I think it's like, you know, potential bowl game. And if a few things break well, like, who knows? You know, like I'm, I'm really pumped up for this year, for sure. And. And just to go ahead and transition to our next point, uh, just to, if you're just joining us here on the Edge Podcast, managing editor Brendan Slaughter, recruiting analyst Jared House, and our special guest this week, OSU or excuse me, Oregon State uh, Dan Board subscriber Callie Beef joining us. Uh, Jared, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you kind of had a topic that you wanted to touch on uh, as yeah. far as immediate eligibility goes. Uh, I'll kind of uh, yield to you just to kind of for this segment and uh, kind of let you uh, take the floor. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't heard yet. Pretty, pretty big news as of right now. Uh, the NCAA is uh, looking to be passing a bill that's going to allow a, a one-time transfer uh, yes. without any restrictions whatsoever. Um, so, obviously, I think it's, it's uh, I think it's beneficial for Oregon State more than, than anything. Um, you've seen them have a lot of success with their staff already, bringing in really high-quality guys through the portal. What I worry about, I mean, I do have some concerns. Uh, I would hate for, you know, it to become a thing where, let's say, a kid goes to a playing at Murray State and he's just balling out. Like, what's going to prevent Kansas or something yeah. like that from being like, right, come on, come on over and who's going to yeah. turn that down? That's right. what my concern is. And I think that could really lead to the, like, monopolization of the wild, the- dude. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think that I, part I, it of it would suck. Scary. It could get scary for sure, and I hope mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. Um, but uh, you know, I guess we'll just have to see. It looks uh, like it's definitely going to be passed. Um, so, like I said, I mean, there's going to be some good things that come out of it, but you know, it could it could get scary as well. You know, I don't want Alabama to poach every every good player in the <laughs> South. And I don't yeah, want, exactly. You know, I mean, even schools that aren't haven't been good per se in recent years like usc I mean, could get better overnight 
Right. Yes, it's like that, simply because they have that pool, and they can yeah. get anybody they want because you can transfer there without any restriction. So yeah. it could get scary. But, uh, yep. you know, yes, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing, Jared, and, and again, I don't like to necessarily go down this line of questioning, but we are in college football, and the thing that worries me is that there will at least be a handful of teams that don't play by those rules, and maybe – you know, I just I think the door. Why well, again? Given the situation, I don't. And I mentioned earlier this podcast. Yeah. I am all in favor of doing what's best for the kid, as far yeah. as their career, their college playing career, what's going on, you know, with their home life, anything else. This year, you know, it, it's weird, and everyone kind of deserves a, a pass with what they want to do. But long term, I just think this could open the floodgates for the richest schools to be able to have opportunities to in essence, funnel the best talent year in and year out, even if they're having to move schools. And, and again, you yeah, know, it's, that part, yeah. it, it, again, yeah. could it happen? Maybe not. But, yeah. well, it's not like every program's clean in the country. I mean, we'd be lying to ourselves if we said we were because the NCAA self-imposes teams and teams get banned from postseasons and, you know, lose scholarships all the time. So, you know, yeah. I, I think, like you were saying, Jared, it could – kind of open the door but at the same token you kind of have to right now because everyone's situations uh, are kind of really just kind of going haywire you know it's no one knows what to do with scholarship numbers right now there's not a lot of clarity in that arena nobody really knows who's going to accept the blanket waiver and come back next year as opposed to just go on that's on scholarship so a lot to be determined but uh kelly i'm just kind of curious to get your your perspective kind of on you know what jared was saying and that where do you stand on it? Yeah, I, I, I like the I like the idea. And but I also I hear you guys with the, you know, the kind of ability to exploit it. It's almost like it'd be best. And I think, you know, if they could almost like institute some sort of rule on it. Right. So it's like per sport, like if you're playing, if you're getting this amount of playing time, the rule doesn't apply to you. You know what I mean? Like you're playing. You know what I mean? It's like you're doing your thing. Like if you're in a in the too deep or whatever it looks like, you know, whatever that role looks like, it's going to have to be sport kind of dependent. But like if you're in the mix and, you know, you're playing, you're all conference, like there's there's no need for you to transfer. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, circumstances could change. But if you're in the mix, like you're doing your thing, like there's no reason for you to just say, you know, to Jared's point, like, oh, I'm at Murray State. I'm going to jump to Kansas now. I was just, you know, first team all MEAC or whatever league Murray State's in. You know what I mean? Like that's right. kind of fishy because that's – that's where you get into like, oh, maybe Kansas had a deal like, hey, the numbers don't work out this year. Go to Murray State for a year, ball, and then come as your sophomore year. You know, like mm-hmm. things like that, I, I think get that's where it gets dicey. I think the rule as it as intended would be more for kids where it's like um, kind of like with my situation, I was telling you guys, like you went somewhere, um, you know, either on a whim, it wasn't really planned out. Better kids come ahead of you. You're like not playing or not even on the roster. Right. Um, so then it's like, okay, yeah, go, go, go make a move. But if you're playing and you know, everything is presumably good, like then that's where I think that shadiness comes in. And it's like, okay, that could become a bad rule in that case. And the, the other side of that coin to me, just as you kind of described it was, you know, what about the situation where maybe, you know, a kid is at that lower level and then has that desire to want to go play higher, right? Maybe yeah. you're in the Mountain West and you want to go to the Pac-12. You know, we look at a smaller scale, but Corbin Sorensen, right? Yeah. Guy from Portland State, and he pretty much said, he's like, you know, I want to go to the NFL. And that yeah. ain't going to happen at Portland State. No disrespect, but, right. you know, right. he, he's realistic with himself. And, yeah. you know, here's a guy that, you know, came to Oregon State and now as a result of the 
you know, blanket waiver. He's plan. He's you know told us this week he plans to spend this year and next year there. And here's a guy who, from what we've heard, is strongly in the mix for a starting gig coming over mm-hmm. from Portland yeah. State because of how much he's worked and how he was the best guy on a team like that. So right. I really think, like you said, there has to be maybe some some parameters, uh, you yeah. know, just to maybe keep it clean. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, I think we've all kind of seen what the NCAA has kind of been tone deaf with a little bit is being in the best interest of the kids. Yeah, exactly. Just being compassionate. Like they, they lack. Right. Yeah. You know, and when you yeah. see, you know, and when you see like these kids, right, they see, you know, largely, you know, I, I don't want to use necessarily the example that the NFL is a lot more player driven than college, but it is. And, yeah, you know, totally. it, to an extent of, you know, I was, you know, different sport, but then you look at like the NBA, who's an entirely player, you know, driven league. And I think that's where we see sometimes, you know, these kids know that they want to take their, you know, future in their own hands. And and that's where I credit a guy like Corbin Sorensen. You know, you're at Portland State. He took the leap and, you know, the leap is potentially going to reward him with, you know, a starting spot, you know, at a power five. team. So I I think overall the rule really stands to benefit the kids. And while there could be some who take advantage of it, um, I think it's just important, you know, to make sure that the kids are taken care of and, especially right now, you know, you can't, yeah. you know, you know, school, not asking is not the right word, but schools are playing amidst this virus. You yeah. know, nothing is a hundred percent safe. You need to look like, you know, you're, you know, have that image and be real. And that's what I trust yeah. about Oregon state. I, not every school maybe is being real with their kids. Right. Oregon state is yeah. Oregon state's real. And, yeah. and that's what I think is, is so special about uh, what Jonathan uh, has started to build. So uh, final yeah. thoughts uh, from you guys as we kind of start to wrap up uh, this edition of the Edge Podcast. Uh, appreciate you coming on, Callie. Uh, Jared, anything else you want to touch on? Or Callie, yourself, anything else uh, you want to tell uh, tell the subscribers out there or anyone else listening? Um, no, I mean, I'm just like like we talked about. I'm, I'm really excited for this year. I think if a couple things break break right for us um, and like those those things are are more likely than they've been in previous years. You know what I mean? It's not like right. we, we we're not hoping for miracles here. I think if a couple of things break right for us, we're gonna have a really really good year. Um, and we need it. You know, twenty twenty has been rough. <laughs> so um, so I'm look, I'm really looking forward to getting the season underway. And thank you guys for your awesome coverage, like keeping us all in the loop. Looking forward to getting those practice reports and hearing about the scrimmage, and then you know leading into to opening day against Washington State. Yeah, no doubt. Having people like you on the board makes it a, a ton of fun for us. I mean, we love we love all the, the conversation and just the, the flow and everything like that. It makes it makes it awesome. So we appreciate you obviously being on there and, and coming on here. Um, yeah. Everybody else listening. And, and uh, if you're not a subscriber, I would definitely encourage you to do that. Because uh, obviously, Brennan, if you if you look at the front page, we got the fall coverage camp or the fall camp coverage. Uh, you know, lots of it on deck. We got the recruiting coverage on deck. And we'll, we'll cover all this uh, this NCAA stuff as closely as we can as well. Uh, so if you want to be plugged in, there's no better place to be. And, uh, hey, maybe you can be the next guest on the podcast, just like Callie. There you go. That's true. I'm, I'm, you know, Jared, great point there. You know, as we, we've definitely been, been rolling this week. I'm sure, I'm sure uh, uh, you haven't been needing for content so far, Callie. We've definitely kept things quite, uh, quite busy this week. And, you know, we, I, I love the conversations that we've even had on the damn board this week, you know, just between, you know, the practices every day when we get the print up there with, you know, the videos and whatnot, and there's great discussions coming up amongst the, the board members every week, and it's kind of getting back to normal. I'm kind of yeah, starting exactly. to see, you know, everyone kind of 
everyone kind of come back that maybe was, uh, you know, posting every now and again when everything was a little slower. But, you know, yeah. now everyone's like, ooh, ah, Addison Gums, you yeah. know, Avery Roberts, all this. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's football season's around the corner. And, you know, yeah, uh, right. Jared and I, you know, we love, we love what we do, getting to cover this team and, you know, every different way. And, you know, it's, it's, it really is like, you know, we've, we've said now that we've invited – you know, a bunch of you guys uh, from the board on the pod, it really is like a family at edge. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we love having the conversations. And as Jared said, you could be the next one on the pod and, you know, uh, could be the next one on the damn board as well. So we definitely want to encourage you to subscribe to beaversedge.com. Again, we got a great promo going right now and you can start your first 30 days free. Just head on over to beaversedge.com. So with that, I'll uh, go ahead and sign off for Jared Hallis and Callie Beeb. This is Managing Editor Brandon Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast. Make sure to keep it tuned to beaversedge.com for all the latest on Oregon State. You don't want to miss it. Number one source for coverage.